the Fantasy Six-Pack Hour. With your hosts, Joe Bob. Ah, you're awful. <laughs> and A.J. Applegar. Sin Shu Chu. It's a mouthful. Right, all right. Welcome to the Fantasy Six Pack Hour. My name is Joe Bond, founder of FantasySixPack.net. With me, back in action, is Mr. AJ Abagarth. How's it going on, man? Good, man. Good. Feeling, uh, feeling good. Ready to do a show. It's been, yeah. uh, it's been a long time. I feel like. Well, yeah. I mean, considering I was on vacation this past week, and uh, so we pushed this one back to now Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we're ready to rock and roll, man. Um, let's just jump right into things here, but. Uh, we're going to be doing our AFC North preview tonight. And uh, just, you know, before we jump into that, though, just want to remind everybody, hit that subscribe button, that like button. Leave us those comments. We appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, thank you for being here. Uh, also, one other thing. If you all have missed the announcement on Twitter or Facebook or wherever, um, we have new fancy six-pack memberships available. Uh, so right now, uh, in the early stages of, of building them out fully, but, um, right now the, the big deal is that we've got, we've got a draft cheat sheet. We've got projections available behind them. We're going to be throwing our rankings behind them. And if you sign up for the all access package, you'll get access to our discord. So you'll have direct access to me and all the other fantasy analysts on, on, uh, on fantasy six back for it, for football. And, um, you know, just to let us help you win your leagues. And, and that's, you know, that's what we like to do. So uh, just a much easier way for us to help you do that. And um, yeah, hopefully you guys sign up. If you do, the first hundred people to do so with this promo code F6P early, all one word, uh, you get 25% off for the first hundred people. So you're not going to find a better deal than that right now, uh, probably ever. So uh, go ahead and do it. <clears throat> and uh just go to fantasy six slash plans to to pick your membership. So uh all right, man. Well let's let's get to it. Let's let's bring on our guest of honor here and uh friend of the show, Mr. Chris Allen. Uh you can find him four for four football guys, NBC Sports Edge. He's everywhere, man. He's awesome. What's up, man? <laughs> What's going on, Joe? Like hi AJ, man. How are you guys doing? It's been I feel like it's been forever since we've had a chance to sit down and talk but i'm so glad that y'all were able to bring me back especially for the afc north because y'all know i'm in ohio so i can geek out about whether it's my Bengals, uh ravens like whomever but no i'm just happy to get a chance and talk ball with y'all again man so how, how, how are you guys doing hanging in uh, there <laughs> good yeah yeah I'd like it's to summertime say, right it's like yeah. there's, there's not a ton going on news wise i know that we're waiting right. for like this deshaun watson news to hit at some point but it's just like yeah this is pretty much like the last uh like the last like period before things get really hopping for for fantasy content right we've got these yeah. few weeks before training camp hits here within uh you know like middle to late july so it's kind of like our off season finally 
You know, yeah. we get we get past the NFL draft, get past OTAs, uh, who's wearing the right cleats or like uh, who Traylon Burks got asthma, like all this other stuff. Like, it, you know, the news quads. Yeah, exactly. Like the news <laughs> stories that we all know once we get into like, October, nobody's going to give a shit. Right. Like it, it's yeah. not going to matter in the long run, but it's just like that's the all news we really have to glom onto yeah. at this point. So it's like. You know, I'll just talk about what matters at least as much as we can for the time Absolutely. being. Absolutely, yeah, it's it's a good part of the it's a good part of the summer to be quite honest. Yeah, a L- little lighter on content. It's <clears throat> it is nice to take a little bit of a breather. Yeah, um, yeah. Part of me would like to say that this show is also brought to you by uh, COVID nineteen. Um, right. <laughs> go up yourself, COVID. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, AJ, That's AJ news. had it last week, and uh, I've. I'm currently recovering from it, but uh, feeling good enough to do this show. And uh, yeah, that's why I will be muting a lot. So I don't clear my throat on mic to annoy everybody, including myself. But let's uh, let's do what uh, we normally think is a favorite part of the show. Although I'm not so sure how this is going to work out for me this week, but uh, let's do it anyway. Mm, Beer. Beer of the week. Chris. I mean, I have to join in just because it's you. Like, I've got to, I've got to, oh, yeah. I mean, so gotta bring what, you, what you got <laughs> this week for us, man. All right. Mr. So Brewmaster. I, I've been working on this recipe for like six months. I finally got a chance to brew the first iteration of it uh, about three to four weeks ago. And I've actually got the second iteration uh, sitting in my fermentation chamber about like six feet that way, like right in front of my nice. desk. Uh, but this is a mango-infused uh, ha- uh, hazy IPA uh, that I've been, I've been working on. And actually, I'll see if I can get it like all the way up to the camera. You might be able to see like that bits is... bits of mango in there, yeah. which is which is not what I wanted. To be quite honest, um, I wanted the mango flavor, and I got impatient. And after I did the first iteration of this recipe, the mango didn't really come through. All of the like the hops that I used in the dry hops. So I had some citra. I've got some mosaic. I've got like a couple other things in there. But like all you get is that. And I didn't get really get a lot of mango taste. Mm. So I got impatient. Instead of getting like the uh, mango flavoring that you can buy, I just went because I got to Kroger's like right across the street. Got a bunch of frozen mango, dumped it right into my keg. And this is the stuff that I get. Now I like you guys saw me like we were sitting backstage before the show started. It took me five minutes to pour my drink. Because a bunch of mango is stuck in the fill in the fill line. So oh, like, geez. Yeah. It's so like for like, I've been I've been brewing beer for like thirteen like thirteen ish years now, and a lot of folks say, "Oh, yeah, so you've been brewing beer so long, you must be an expert." Absolutely not. I can tell you plenty of things of what not to do when it comes to brewing, and not putting uh, not using a cheesecloth or a brew bag to put your mango in if you want to get the fruit out. That's probably one of the things that you should do. What you shouldn't do is what I did and just dump the stuff straight in there, so you can't pour your beer all that well. So yeah. So that's one of the lessons that I'm learning, like as I kind of do these things. But overall, super happy with this beer. I mean, you guys saw the color. Uh, that's like, at least for me, I eat with my eyes. So when I see a beer that's like that type of color, that warm orange, like some yeah. type of beer, that's what I want. Aromas, yeah. solid, like dead on, like what I wanted, like from a, you know, a tropical, fruity, like that sort of, sort of aroma. And then, of course, since I literally have mango chunks in it, it does taste like a mango. <laughs> like, it, you know, I'm hitting all, I'm checking all the boxes. I hope so, here. man. Yeah. And it's at five and a half percent ABV, uh, like IBUs around like uh, the 70 to 80, like somewhere in that range. But yeah, fair, fairly solid and a good sessionable beer. Like that's what I try and keep things around like five. Five and a half percent is where, where I like it at. Nice. nice. 
AJ. Yeah, the, color, the color on that's awesome. Yeah, that is. <laughs> like I did like that. Super. Jake from State Farm, thick and hazy. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I myself am trying to keep it local since we will be talking about Baltimore today. Um, I'm drinking a, a 1623 Brewing Company's Aqua Ooh. Hop. This is their Imperial Red Rye IPA. Uh, it's a thick one as well. It's a 9.9 percenter. So Woo. we'll see. Yeah, we'll see how go tonight heavy. goes. <laughs> You're going to figure this out. So um, so I'm yeah, drinking okay. AJ, finally right. one of yours that, that you brought yeah, me. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah that's the a Devil's good one. Backbone 16 point Imperial IPA. Oh, yeah. This is a 9.1 percenter. Um, <laughs> I actually had nothing less than this in my fridge outside of a flying dog like snake IPA, which just felt boring. Um, so I was like, you know, I screw it. Um, <laughs> is, is that the, the lowest ABV of what I gave you? It might be. I don't know. No, sorry. You gave me a black IPA, but I don't oh. like black IPA. So I'm probably just going to like oh, all right. well, that one randomly here and there. Yeah. But uh, like all that one. Our we'll we'll figure it out, out eventually. But um, <clears throat> yeah, I think that one was like 8.4. So it wasn't that much different or 8.7 or something. So I was like, I'm yeah, it's, it's dead, but I have not had it yet. So let's see what we got. Ooh. That's good. I do like their eight point. I've never had the sixteen point. Yeah. That's good, man. It's probably good, like four and a quarter for. What's the name of the brewery again? Devil's Backbone. It's um, I believe it's Virginia, right? Virginia, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's like okay. <clears throat> Lexington, Virginia. All yeah, right. yeah. It's pretty solid. Uh, they they make some they make some good brews. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, let's jump into it here, and um, you know, before we get into the position previews and go player by player here, um, we just got a standard. NFL type style question, not necessarily fantasy related. And, you know, this division seems kind of wide open, right? Every team kind of believes that they can win it. Uh, now, <laughs> one team probably thought they had a much better chance until probably this Tuesday. Um, but <laughs> with the lots of news about to get thrown down. But still, who do you think will be the team to come out on top? Do you think is the Bengals that will repeat? Or or what? At least for me, I think the Bengals have at least done enough in the offseason. Let's just keep it just like straight, like what they've done over the offseason to maintain their, I guess, their, their bid at the top spot in the AFC North. Because if you looked at the uh, adjusted sack rate for Joe Burrow last year, what, like 90 some odd sacks, he what broke the record for a number of sacks taken in a playoff game against that Tennessee Titans game. Uh, which was just like horrific to watch uh, all the way, like start to finish. I couldn't believe they actually won that game and then actually see them get to the Super Bowl. But it's just that has been the offensive line has been like the bane of their existence or like their Achilles heel for a number of seasons now. And to see them actually be, uh, let's say, aggressive and, you know, and the fact that they actually have adjusted the culture enough to be able to attract good free agents like Lil Collins. I mean, while he might have had a like down year in his final season in Dallas, like to be able to have that type of turnaround where they were legitimate Super Bowl contenders like just this past season. And now with the way that the team is trending now with their player development and so on and so forth, to be able to attract a guy of his talent level, that says something like about the franchise and where it's headed right now. So I do think that with their their moves on along the offensive line, whether it's Karras, whether it's Kappa, whether it's Collins, uh, along with like some of the moves they made on defense as well. 
I mean, going out and getting uh, a guy like Dax Hill, like when they drafted him. So you have that kind of uh, at least younger safety or like player that can be like that, like in the uh, on the defense. But still, their defensive line is still legitimate, too. I think overall on both sides of the ball, I think Cincinnati has done enough that they should have at least a solid a solid bid at still being like number one in the AFC North. If not them, then I'd probably have to give it to the Ravens just because Lamar Jackson. And just if you think about the number of injuries that they had last season, I mean, if that's if that's really the, uh, the the biggest thing or like their biggest knock for not really having a good team, just not even a good offense, just like a good team last year. And they should have like most of their starters returning back this season healthy, made some changes as well. I think it's like Cincinnati and Baltimore are the two that at least are the the, the scariest teams like to come out of the AFC North, in my opinion. Yeah, and I'd have to agree with that. I think um I think it's Cincy's division to lose, but I think between them and Baltimore, it's gonna be it's gonna be a dogfight. I mean, the two of them <clears throat> every divisional game in this division is always a close, hard fought game. Um, so I really think, I think the Ravens, I am very interested to see how they come out of the gates because you've got the whole Lamar, you know, contract issue that yeah. uh, mm-hmm. we've had, we had some discussions or whatever, whatever he had said like 56 times in the one interview that he had. Um, I'm interested to see what he's going to put together. Um, and I'm, I'm really like excited to see these running backs come back and, and Mm -hmm. hopefully be able to play to what we've seen out of them, if not more, um, you know, coming off of these, these rough injuries. So that's, that's what I'm seeing. I mean, Pittsburgh, I, I feel like they're just a rebuild right now and yeah. And Cleveland's Cleveland's going to be okay, but it, it really depends on what we see with Watson. <laughs> yeah, Cleveland could be like the the weird dark horse. Like if if Watson does somehow play this year, then that might yeah. that might change things for a lot of people. But yeah, I, I I think it's I think it's Baltimore and and Cleveland obviously up top. And you guys said pretty much everything, so I'm not gonna you know beat the dead horse here. But uh, so let's jump into our positions and we'll start with quarterback. And what we're gonna do, Chris, is we're gonna rip through some ADP real quick. We're using mm-hmm. the sleeper ADP. And then we'll go, you know, team by team um, and kind of ask a question on specific players or just like general position wise for that team to get a little more into the the nitty gritty of things here. So ADP for quarterbacks, we've got Lamar Jackson at four, Joe Burrow at five, Deshaun Watson still sitting at 13, although I bet that's gotten a lot lower over the last couple of weeks and it's going to get a lot lower quickly. Trubisky at 31, and then Brissett kind of made the board all of a sudden at 49. So that's relevant, uh, by mm-hmm. the way. So just had to mention that one. But uh, AJ, go ahead and uh, all right. Well, I'll wait. get it off here. We we just talked about Lamar being higher ADP by one spot, so not much. But is Joe Burrow now the best quarterback in this uh, in this NFC North, or do you think it is someone else? No, I think. Burrow has done enough as a passer in what? So he started, what, 10 games his rookie season before getting knocked out uh, against Washington. And then now essentially the entire offense and turn the entire franchise around and taking them to a Super Bowl this past year. I think it's it's him at this point, like Lamar Jackson, like not taking anything away from him, former MVP. I mean, all, all of the good things that Lamar has done. 
But I think Joe Burrow at this point has shown enough that he's capable of, if not matching or ex- like, but uh, if not matching, but exceeding like what Lamar has done, like on the field at this point. And you can see it like it shows up on film almost instantly. Uh, I've seen a number of film analysts compare the way that he scans and reads the field. It's very similar to Aaron Rodgers, the way that he can pick up defenses, adjust protections, like what little protection that he has, and also being able to read like key players. So if it's not his primary read, whether it's like T Higgins or Jamar Chase, but be also being able to pick up some of the, like the backside digs or like the underneath routes, whether it be to Joe Mixon, Tyler Boyd. And we've all saw like how CJ Uzoma popped off for a couple of games as well. So it's just, he can scan like the full, like he can make multiple reads, scan the full range of the field. And while his arm strength, like coming out of LSU was something of a knock. We've seen him try and make like some of those like deeper passes, like down the field in order to connect with whether it's Shamar, whether it has been like Uzoma or whomever. And so like, that's it. He's a heady player. And it's so, I mean, it's such a, a great thing for Cincinnati to actually have like one of the guys at quarterback. And by the guys, I mean, that's what you need in order to have a franchise that at least has playoff aspirations or obviously like Super Bowl contention aspirations on a yearly basis. Like you have to have the Patrick Mahomes, the Justin Herberts. I mean, those types of level players, because without it, you do find yourself in that quarterback purgatory, like with pretty much the other two teams currently in the AFC North. Like we don't know what Kenny Pickett is going to be. And we don't know like what's going to happen. Uh, like if they wind up, uh, if they wind up having to, if the Browns have to go away from Deshaun Watson and have to start like Jacoby Brissett or like whomever the case may be, it's like, that's what we, so you know, like where your team is at, if you don't have one of the guys at quarterbacks and Joe Burrow can be that. Now, my only concern with the, with the Bengals is their, their pace of play because last season it was, I don't know, it was something of a, like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde type of thing. Because in weeks one through eight, they were like 20th in neutral passing rate. I mean, we thought they were going to come out firing like Burrow did like during his rookie campaign. That, that didn't happen. And then it was weeks 10 through 18 where the light started to click on and we saw them start to pass uh, pass on uh, more volume. And they were actually like top 12 in neutral passing like towards the back end of the season. Is that going like where's like where's the like where's the balance going to be at? I don't expect them to be like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and be like top three in passer over expectation, but are they still going to be utilizing passing on early downs? Are they still going to like are they going to try and play at just any sort of up tempo like this season? They were 30th in pace of play just this past year. So it's like if they can try and you know utilize or like or pick up the pace a bit more with this offense that features in my personal opinion, like the best like wide receiver trio in the league at this point. And I don't think that's yeah. too much of a like, you know, a, a hot take to say that. But it's just Joe Burrow was top 10 in EPA per play, completion percentage over expected, uh, intended air yards per attempt as a quarterback. It's just he is one of these guys. And so if he can be efficient and accurate while still pushing the ball downfield, if they wind up having or adding some more volume like to the offense this year, I mean, Cincinnati, they'll definitely be able to all of the pass catchers should be able to pay off their ADP along with Joe Burrow, who I think is aggressively priced like among like the quarterbacks at this point. But I do think that he's shown enough and the offense has shown enough. They should be able to match that ADP. Yeah. So my take on Joe Burrow is that I think he's the best quarterback in the NFC or AFC North. Um but I still think Lamar's the better fantasy quarterback mm, because mm-hmm. of the rushing, right? So yeah. 
Absolutely. separate the two a little bit. But yes. to, to your point about the pace of play, and I mentioned this when we did our team previews specifically for Cincy, is <clears throat> you're right. You saw that kind of flip of the switch a little over midway through the season last year where like it was all of a sudden like, oh, this offense like was for real. Yeah. Like they were, they were moving the ball. They were scoring. They were getting tons of yards. It was chunk plays. It was awesome. Um, and it's funny because you, you saw like Joe Burrow take a huge step up, right, because of that. But Mixon kind of went the opposite. And so what I think what was happening early on was, you know, Burrow was coming back from that horrific knee injury, right? And so they were protecting him a little bit. They were handing all the, they handed the ball off a lot more. They're doing more check downs, just like easy plays, get him into the flow, get, you know, see what we got with him, right? Let's keep him upright. Mm-hmm. And then they, just, they figured out like, oh, we, we, you know, he, he's probably fine. So, you know, he got his legs under him a little bit more and they just started pushing. Uh, so, yeah, I, you know, I'm not, who knows if it's going to be at that exact same pace that we saw the last like six, seven weeks of the season, but I would believe we're going to see more of that than we would the opposite. Um, that's just my take on it. So, um, but let's move over here to Cleveland and we've kind of alluded to this already. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, we've got the Deshaun Watson news looming. Um, it sounds like he's going to be suspended at least for this season. Uh, so with that being said, like, let's say in your drafts, Watson isn't, so let's say you're drafting tonight or tomorrow or Tuesday morning or whatever, right? Last couple of rounds go through. Watson's still sitting there. Do you just take a stab at him just in case? Like if he does play, like he's, you've gotten a free top 10 quarterback or you just, you just completely out. Me, me personally, I'm completely out like right now. It's just, I, I can't, I can't think of a scenario where given everything that's gone on from the allegations to just looking at how the, how the NFL has handled, like, let's say but for all intents and purposes, let's say just lesser crimes. Uh, it It's just, I cannot see a, a path to him, like playing at least a meaningful amount of games. That's going to matter to us, like for fantasy. Yeah. Now, does it change my stance on drafting Amari Cooper and like guys like Donovan Peoples-Jones and like David Njoku? Not mm-hmm. a ton, just because understanding the way that they're deployed on the field, they can probably recruit most of their value. And I think for the most part, the risk of not having Deshaun Watson is priced in to at least to, to most of them, I think. Mm-hmm. So it's just more about how we value Deshaun. I think in redraft from a redraft perspective, at least for me, the risk does not outweigh the gain uh the the projected or possible gain of having a guy like him sure absolutely i no argument when he's on the field top 10 in, in the top 10 conversation week in and week out that mm. is not a problem i mean now what now what about dynasty startup drafts like would you change yeah. your opinion there like yes what, absolutely what do you do with him there uh i would say uh, actually i was just in a dynasty startup uh just yesterday with some other folks from from ohio uh, myself, uh, Bob Lung, uh, like who else was there? Like uh, Jer- Dynasty Madman, uh, Rich Rebar, like a number of other like just Ohio-based folks. Uh, and actually, I can pull up actually right now where uh, where did Deshaun Watson go? So Deshaun Watson was drafted in the – oh, shoot, he was taken as quarterback 14. This is, It was a super flex right. draft, so quarterback 14, which I'm not mad at at all. Like yeah. I think that's – I think that's like, – decent value like for a guy that if he winds up missing this year 
and then uh, he winds up coming back next year. And then all of the, you know, all of these allegations and cases and everything will be behind him at that point. That's not bad. You know, yeah. uh, unless we're really projecting in indefinite ban, multi-year suspension or whatever the case may be, which I I haven't heard at least, or I haven't seen the rumors around those, that length of suspension really have any legs to it. So a year seems about what I, what's most common, or at least most folks think is going to happen. So from a dynasty standpoint, that makes sense, like to be able to grab them at that value. I agree. Yeah, I it's hard for me to to really try to go after him this year unless uh, I'm in a league that randomly has put suspended players on the IR uh, or something like that. And, it, and it's, you know, keeper league or dynasty. Um, but other than that, I think I'm out on him this year. I, I just it's not going to be worth what you're going to get out of it. Um, even looking at it and being like, oh, yeah, I got him as a late round pick and then it's like you find out he's gone for the year redraft you know he's your first drop mm-hmm. you're dropping him before the season even starts probably yeah. um just to have that open spot um so moving on uh to pittsburgh here it, at this point it looks like mitch trubisky will most likely be the week one starter um but do you think he's going to end the season as a starter or is Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh going to throw uh, throw caution to the wind here and put Kenny Pickett out there sooner rather than later? They almost have to, right? Because of the draft capital spent to acquire Pickett, and with the way that quarterback contracts are going, it's not like even with having the fifth year possible option. Quarterbacks aren't treating it that way anymore. Shoot, for most of the quarterbacks that even have any sort of, I would say, certainty regarding if they're going to get a second contract with their team or not, they're already in the negotiation phases after, like, let's say their third season or going into their fourth season. I mean, look at what, I mean, we'll probably talk about here in a minute, but look at what, like, Lamar Jackson is at, like, right now, uh, Kyler Murray or any of those guys. So it's like, they have to do this right now. And there's no, and there it, it does the team no good to spend a first round pick on a quarterback to let them sit, especially behind a, let's say at this point for Trubisky, let's we'll call him a journeyman quarterback. Like he's now on his third team and we know what Trubisky is. The Steelers probably know what Trubisky is at this point. So there's nothing to be gained. Uh, Yeah, I would hope so too. (laughs) I mean, especially for the money, like for the money that they put into him, like for signing him too. So it's like, there's nothing to be gained by, I mean, other than trying to like, I don't know, save the face of the franchise by possibly winning some more games. But again, where does that gain you when the incoming quarterback class from next year also happens to have a pretty decent crop of quarterbacks in it? So if you want to have a shot at taking them, you probably want to hire pick. So if you want to know if Pickett's the guy, then you need to figure that out now. And that's not even from a, you know, 22 or 2022 to 2023 standpoint. That's just the way quarterback contracts are working right now with the way that the NFLPA has set up like this, uh, the latest CBA, like you have to know, like, do you have the guy or not? Can, yeah. can this guy at some point within the next, you know, two, three, four years take you down a uh, playoff, like a long playoff run? I mean, if the, the answer is no, okay, fine, then it's time to move on. But think about how many other team moves have to happen once you find the, uh, once you find out that you have a franchise quarterback. I think, like, look at what Cincinnati's doing. 
Like they've, mm-hmm. they now know within the last like two years that they have one of the guys at quarterback. And what has it allowed them to do, especially on a rookie contract? It's allowed them to franchise and like uh, franchise tag, like the proper players in order to retain their services, build like on the defense, bring in other uh, like expensive, like uh, free agents, like along the offensive line. It's like, that's the, those are the types of things that having a franchise quarterback will do. It's like almost like a selling point, like to other teams or to other players, like to want them to come and play for you. Mm -hmm. So if you don't know if you have that, then again, you're doing your team a disservice by not being able to figure that out. So without like, without even having to discuss any stats, like just at the team level, I mean, they need to know, like, is Pickett going to be the guy? Because like we said, we all know what Trubisky is. I mean, he's like <laughs> bottom 30. I mean, like, or like he was like barely in the top 30 for literally any passing metric. Like the last time he was a starter, he was like 35th, like 35th in uh, passing backup. grade, like for like PFF, like in, that's in a clean pocket, <laughs> in a clean pocket. Like we know, yeah. like, like we know what he can't, like even his highs are like just barely above like replacement level quarterback play. So, but he was he was in Buffalo last year behind well, good. arguably the best quarterback in the league and uh you know with with Brian Dable there. So uh, he's got to be awesome now, right? <laughs> exactly. And it hats off he to learned so uh, much hats, in that hats year. Hats off to uh Trubisky's <laughs> agent for positioning Trubisky mm-hmm. in a way that would allow his client to like get I, some get some more money because yeah. without that year, he gets nothing. Like yeah. he's wasting away I mean, on he, some worse he might team. Be Ryan Leaf at this yeah. point if he's not in Buffalo last year. Bingo. <clears throat> so it's like good for him, but we know what we know what he is. The team knows what he is. So the picket at some point has to be on the field for them. Like yeah. if not for the fact that they they need to be able to move on and find out what life after Ben Roethlisberger is going to be. Because think about what that offense was like last year. Ben Roethlisberger's time to throw last year was 2.38 seconds, according to Next Gen Stats. That's ridiculous. All right. The, the next fastest quarterback was 2.5 seconds at the time to throw. And that was Tom Brady. But Tom Brady was throwing at an adjusted um, uh, an average depth of target about like 8.4 like yards, intended air yards like per attempt. Ben Roethlisberger's was like seven. Yeah, like that. Like Tom Brady was whipping it down the field. Ben Roethlisberger was throwing ducks, you know, to yeah. I mean, to his guys, like maybe five, six, seven yards down the field. So like no, they were Jay playing. Harris. Yeah, exactly. Like Just, they were yeah, playing like two completely that different games. Good, so yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, that's, so, that's what he had, and it was like, yeah. all right. But what is works, this? What is, it of. worked for them, but like, what is this yeah. offense going to be like now in 2022 and beyond? Are they going to be a team that's going to push the ball down the field? Actually, unlock a guy like Chase Claypool. I don't know, but they yeah. need to figure that out. They need to know mm-hmm. like what, like who, like what archetype of player they're going to now be able to coach up and actually integrate into their offense. Cause it was, it was Ben Roethlisberger's offense beforehand. I mean, make no mistake about it. So what is that? Like, what is that offense going to look like now? And like all those questions need to be answered by having Kenny Pickett on the field. You ain't going to answer it by having Trubisky there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. agree. Yeah. I mean, well, We'll probably see Trubisky start the year, but it'll probably be a pretty quick switch over to Pickett, I imagine. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so, After, like, you know, he gets baptized by Miles Garrett, uh, <laughs> you know, a couple of times. He'll just be like, yeah, get get the rook in, like, get Pickett in. Like, yeah. we need to figure that we need to figure something else out. Like, we still have Ben Roethlisberger here just dumping the ball to Najee Harris. Yeah. What happened in Buffalo? We thought you got better. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we rely. All right, so let's finish up here with the quarterbacks and get over we to fleeced. Baltimore. And we've got Lamar Jackson, right? Um, I mean, 
like injuries held him back last year. The the offense wasn't quite the same last year. Uh, lack of the running game, per you know, in general. But can we can we see him get back to being a top three fantasy quarterback? Um, considering that he has a lack of receiving options, especially now that they've gotten rid of Hollywood Brown. So, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, like I see, I don't know. Uh, so between, so from 2020 to 2021, like we saw them make like this massive leap forward in terms of neutral passing rate. I think they went from like 30th, uh, almost like two years straight, like from 2019 when Lamar really came on and like maybe 30th and 31st in 2019 and 2020. And last year they were all the way up to 12th. And we saw just like this, I don't know, more of a reliance on the passing game than in years past, which I think is a fine, it's like, it's a fine experience, experiment rather. But you just can't try and change your offense while also having like literally almost like 27 players like on IR by like week 15. Like that that's not going to work. Like when you lose not your starting but your backup running back before this season even starts and then your rookie wide receiver that you drafted to be the chain mover. Uh, he had to like what surgery did he wind up having core muscle surgery? So he misses the first two months of the mm. season. Uh, so it's like I'm happy to draft like mark andrews like at cost because he was a good tight end coming out of college and we now see him unlocked with the opportunity he was given but it's just there has to be something else there like do i think lamar jackson can be an above average or an elite just passing quarterback yes yes i yes i do because even coming out of louisville i mean for all the horrific things or like uh, how bad of a person bobby petrino is like his offenses in college are actually like one of the best offenses like for college or for uh, college quarterbacks to transition into the NFL, like the complexity of it and what they ask quarterbacks to do like at that level. So I think Lamar is a good passing quarterback like on his own. He just has his legs to bail him out like when he needs to. Mm-hmm. Like he's been, let's say, 15th to 16th like in uh, EPA per play as a quarterback for the last two seasons. It's just that if you're now if you're passing options, go from like Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews and maybe like a couple of other guys, like, I mean, for as like for as bad as they possibly could be, I mean, they're not like JK Dobbins, isn't a bad pass catcher. It's just that they didn't have him there. And also right. the, for the number of injuries that they had along their offensive line, I mean, they had, they brought in who was it Alejandro Villanueva from Pittsburgh. The dude was a turnstile like last season. So it's like, and they also had like two other injuries to their starters along their offensive line too. So it's just, they, they weren't get, like weren't given any favors. So on top of changing their offensive scheme, they also have these injuries to go with it. To, I and also like the injuries to their defense as well. So it's just the entire way that Baltimore likes to play, having a strong defense, being able to lean on the running game, but also having an effective passing game. All that crumbled like all in the same season. Mm-hmm. So I just think that there's probably some balance to what their neutral passing rate is going to be this year. Do I think they're going to go all the way back to like dead last in terms of neutral passing rate this year? No, I just do. I do think though, with having a guy like Marquise Brown, like leave the offense, they just need to make sure that they're, uh, that they're actually building up or developing the wide receivers that they have behind the guys they have. I mean, I've already seen beat writers talking about Devin Duvernay getting involved, James Prochake, like being involved out of the slot. And that's cool that they have these new like these new options but these are guys that they've had since 2020 also uh i mean they've also drafted guys like slade bolden like trevin clark makai polk 
Tylen Wallace is still there from the 2021 draft. It's just they need to be able to like cycle in and like build up some of these players that they've drafted and that they've acquired because like this needs to be an offense that if they're going to try and pass more and it's going to start featuring the wide receiver position more, that they just have to have like better wide or at least wide receivers they can count on. So, but we don't, they don't have the answers to the, to that question yet. So yeah. until we see that actually happen, I do have some questions like about like if they're, I have some concern there, but I think I see what they're trying to do, but it's just, we don't like, there's some uncertainty because we don't know who these players are, like what their, what their skill level is. Yeah. I, I think the only way Lamar this season gets back to top three, and I, I firmly believe it can happen because it looks like they're going back to more of the running style that they had a couple years ago, is he's going to have to do the vast majority of it with his legs. And that's fine. It worked. <laughs> you know, it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're not a high passing volume team. And, and uh, you know, yeah, Mark Andrews is, is taking a big step forward, as you said, but I, I just, it's hard to really trust any of the rest of the guys in my opinion so it's tough it's definitely tough i don't know this is uh maybe it might be a hot take like from me but thinking about it this way everybody assumes that because marquise brown like a good wide receiver not the best or like not not top 12 or anything like that but a good wide receiver departs baltimore and goes somewhere else so everybody assumes they're going to go like be more run heavy why isn't the same logic being applied to like green bay or kansas city like they literally lost like Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams. I mean, just tears above Marquise Brown. But we're not assuming that all of a sudden Green Bay is going to be this like power running team. We're not assuming Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going to be like the second coming of, you know, insert like big name running back here. So Pretty I fun. just don't understand like why we're <laughs> say now all of a sudden inserting that logic to say that this is now going to be just a strong running team just because like Marquise Brown left. I don't so the reason why I don't is because <clears throat> we've seen Baltimore do it, right? And they've yeah. got the quarterback to help with that as well. So the offense goes through that, um, you know, that that uh, running back, you know, the – the uh, I'm blanking right now. But, you know, the, the fake handoff, quarterback dips out, right? Uh, you know, that type of thing. So yeah, um, the run pass option. Thank you. Jeez. Um, <clears throat> but – so you you've got that, but then you look at you look at guys like Mahomes and you, you look at guys like Rodgers, right? Those dudes love to just sling the ball around. That's Lamar really never has done that. I mean, his most passing attempts in a single season has been four hundred one. I mean, that's that's not the offense that those guys run. So, but Lamar does. Lamar runs the run heavy offense. They've got the running back. They've got the offensive scheme already built around it, and. You know, I mean, Green Bay may be different. You know, I think Green Bay's got better running backs than Kansas City, but I would say Baltimore's got arguably better running backs to sustain that kind of offense. You know, we've seen even their backups come in and just like go off, you know, I mean, shoot except, when they, all, except for when they all get last year. Right, except for when they all get hurt. And that's true. Like, okay. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, so I, I think it's just more of, uh, the the type of offensive scheme that the that you know we've seen in the past from these from these guys and I'll be honest like we you, you've mentioned like the neutral passing game has gotten better for the Baltimore Ravens it might have gotten better only because they tried more but like I don't know if it actually helped them <laughs> I think they really struggled with it in the, for the most part 
Um, yeah, I don't know. I, again, it's just it's hard for me to separate the fact that they had so many injuries along the offensive line and were relying on a key piece in Rashad Bateman, and he wasn't even there for like the first two months. So it's like, again, I don't know if it was just an experiment that they tried it and it just didn't work, and now they just want to go back to what worked like the previous two years. But yeah, again, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, I will tell. I mean, it, look, we're here to kind of predict and kind of lead you in the right direction. Yeah, as best we can. And that's kind of what we think. So, anyway, AJ, let's yeah. let's move on here to our running backs. All right, so we've got a handful of backs here. Pretty powerful running division. We've got Najee Harris at six ADP. We've got Joe Mixon at seven. We've got Nick Chubb at nine. J.K. Dobbins still hovering at twenty, uh, coming off the injury, which. A little high in my opinion, but okay. Uh, I can get on board with that. Kareem Hunt, 30. Gus Edwards, 55. Samaje P. Ryan at 71. Dearness Johnson at 74. Uh, journeyman Mike Davis at 83. Tyler Beatty at 84. And Chris Evans at 104. Yeah, so... <clears throat> A lot of good names on, on that list, especially at the very top. But um, let's start off here with Baltimore. We, we finish off with them. So let's start with them this time. You know, the there 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 is news that Dobbins and Edwards are going to possibly start the year on the pup. That could be a that could be a training camp thing only possibly. I, I, I mean, are you at all worried about drafting them coming off of their injuries? I mean, their ADPs are pretty nice, to be honest. Uh, what's your thoughts there? Yeah, I think where they're currently being drafted at, like the risk of them missing, I don't know about the starting on the pup, because, uh, but still taking a little bit more time for them to get like back on their feet, literally. Uh, I have no issue with that. I think that kind of risk is baked into the ADP at this point. Mm -hmm. But J.K. Dobbins, like in 2020, uh, top half of the league in terms of broken tackle rate. Uh, their success rate, I think Dobbins was fourth, uh, according to Football Outsiders, in 2020. So like an efficient runner, powerful runner, uh, elusive runner, like fairly as as well, too. So it's just and also like decent, like uh, like what, five, six, seven percent target share, like in the passing game as well. So like it all works out for him to at least exceed like where he's at in terms of his ADP if he comes back healthy. Because fifth round, man, like that the running backs are typically being selected around there don't have like the same level of opportunity, like to your point earlier, Joe, because if this is going to be a scheme that really does uh, emphasize like the running back talent, like Lamar is going to probably get his, but having a guy like JK Dobbins there as well mm -hmm. to kind of tote the rock for him, especially in those short yardage type situations. I mean, that's the perfect mix. Like that's really where opportunity and also uh, opportunity and talent kind of intersect to give us like the fantasy production that we would want from a guy that's typically drafted, let's say in the, second or third round like to be quite honest so if we're getting almost a two round discount on him at this point and hopefully we get some more positive news like as we get closer to training camp then hey i'll take that adp all day long yeah 100 I, I i love dobbins at his adp right now um <clears throat> aj any thoughts and then next question uh yeah like i said i mean i could i could probably get on board with dobbins um where he's at ADP wise. Uh, I, I just think it's, I mean, he's showcased such good talent and, and ability two years ago that last year was just a complete and utter disappointment because of the injury. So obviously you're hoping that he's going to be able to get back to where he was. So 
looking at Cincy though, I mean, Joe Mixon <laughs> finally had himself a year uh, after seeing what he did in like a very good offense, finishing RB3 in half PPR, of course. I mean, is he a lock to be a top five running back again for 2022? I don't know about a lock. Uh, I would say that, again, almost when we were talking about Cincinnati's offense as a whole, he definitely has the case to be made. I think the – and I've seen uh, like a little uh, – like a debate over his workload in the past week or so because of his lack of usage on third downs. Like we saw Samaji P. Ryan like coming in and cycling out for him on a number of occasions like throughout the regular season. And then, of course, it was P. Ryan that was on the field that uh, wound up not converting on third down like in the Super Bowl, which went like ultimately cost him the game. But it's just there has been like he's had that shared workload with, with P. Ryan over the last like especially even like uh, it was more pronounced last season. And but if you look at Mixon's overall opportunity share, 67% of the uh, like the running back workload, uh, what, 8 to 9% target share, which is really everything that you, at least it checks the boxes for what you would want in a first and second round running back. And on a, like an efficient offense, we had that conversation. We were kind of outlining the Bengals offense as a whole. So I, th- I think that he is like very, like very much locked in like for a top 12 season. Top five. Let's just see how things shake out because that can be like their schedule, like schedules, injuries, like blah, 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 can be volatile on a year to year basis. But like top, like top 12, absolutely. The one question I do have though is who is going to be manning that third down spot? Like, are they going to continue to use like P right in that spot? I've heard some conversation amongst beat writers and folks close to the team saying that Chris Evans is going yeah, to have like, a larger role like this year. And uh, I was like, I was poking around like player profiler uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, actually player profile has Damian Harris as uh, the best comp like for Chris Evans, but he's also Evans is also a pass catcher. Like Evans had a higher EPA per target and a higher yards per route run efficiency stat that PFF tracks. He had a higher, uh, like higher efficiency metrics than any of the running backs, like on the on the Bengals. Like he had more, uh, let's see, he had more targets on third down than Joe Mixon and Samaje P. Ryan, like last year. So it's just, I don't know, like what that what that uh, workload is going to shake out to be because I know the team likes P. Ryan and what he was able to do throughout the regular season, not necessarily the Super Bowl. But at least having some sort of doubt regarding Piran's lock on that role should give like some drafters and like I've been drafting quite I've been drafting Evans quite a bit, but I think there's some smoke to that fire that Evans might have a larger role in 2022. Yeah, I agree with that. The one hesitation I have with Mixon this season, as far as drafting him at his value at his ADP right now, is as we kind of mentioned with the fact that Burrow kind of took a step up those last, you know, six, seven weeks of the season, Mixon really did kind of take a step back, right? And, you know, if you look at the season as a whole, Mixon was fun, was amazing. If you look at the last five games he played, he was RB18, 12.9 points per game. You're drafting him as a top three, four, five running back right now, seven running back. Like, uh, that's tough. That's a tough pill to swallow, man. Like, if that's the way that we see this offense going and they're going to maybe back off using him, I mean, he was getting an unbelievable workload early on. I mean, we saw 29 carries, 20 carries, 18 carries, 18, you know, 30 and 28 carries mixed in, by the way, with like four or five, four or five receptions. 
time and time again. And then mm-hmm. it just, just the rug was pulled out from under him. And it was just like, nah, we're good. We're going to just <laughs> see what Burroughs got. Like, and he really, I mean, he was seeing still like a lot, a good number of carries, but like we weren't seeing those like 25, those, those carries in the twenties and the receiving game for him. Just, just, gone except for the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. um touchdowns weren't there like they were early on either so <clears throat> i'm probably out on mixing at his adp uh but i mean i i i'd find it hard to believe he was he doesn't finish as a top 12 running back yeah but top six seven where he's going right now probably not buying him at that at that price but uh, let's move over here to pittsburgh and as we said earlier, too, Big Ben was a big reason why Najee Harris led all running backs in receptions. 74 last year. Just amazing me. But, you know, just dump, 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 right? I mean, mm-hmm. two and a half seconds to throw the ball, right? With the QB switch, right? And, let's say, you know, despite who it is, are we – how much of a concern do we have with Harris returning that value – that he's got it RB six right now, ADP. Um, or do we think the checkdowns are still going to be there for him? And it's, he's going to be fine. No, I would assume that the checkdowns are going to be there for him. Cause we, we were talking about whether it's a uh, Mitch Trubisky, but Mitch Trubisky made Tariq Cohen uh, fairly f- fantasy relevant, like in his time there in Chicago. So it's entirely possible that uh, Najee Harris, like while a completely different archetype of running back, but still the checkdowns will be there, like most likely for, for Najee. And I would say also it's not just the the quarterback play. I would think Pickett would also like uh, at least know to use a guy like Harris, like as his escape route, like should he need to come off of his primary read or whatever. Pickett's like, I wouldn't say a statue, but like slightly mobile. But I would think instead of running, he could just like, you know, chuck it down like real quick to Najee. But I think it's the it's the offensive line that I have like the biggest concern with. And like last year, and it, they were like they were crumbling like they had. I mean, like I said, like they had uh, Alejandro Villanueva, like he had left uh, since he was already like essentially ready to retire, gave his one last shot like in Baltimore, did not play well there, uh, moved over a couple of other like offensive linemen from last year as well. A couple of injuries, if I'm remembering correctly, at least one injury along the offensive line. Uh, so they've made some moves in order to shore that up. Now, to, I'm not saying that they're going to have like one of the best uh, like run blocking uh, run blocking lines like in the league, but I do think that at least the improvement should allow Harris to be a bit more uh, efficient. He was down at like 34th in success rate like last year, according to uh, according to Football Outsiders. Uh, I mean, broken tackle rate, like not that great as well, because he was just getting met like at or behind the line of scrimmage, like on every single run, like it felt like. So if the line gives him some more push and let's say he has even just a smidgen of better quarterback play so that instead of having teams that are just like, well, Big Ben is not going to he's not going to check it deep. So we're going to just have all of our safeties play up. And if they actually have to respect, let's see, even an intermediate game, let's not even think about them throwing it deep. Let's just say an intermediate game. Then I do think it's going to open up some more lanes for Najee Harris. So I think just Ben's retirement now provides them a chance to kind of open up this offense. And that should help like Harris this year. Yeah, I, I really like Harris's upside this year just because of the fact that, again, we know what Trubisky is. Um, I don't think his role, 
that uh, Harris, I don't think his role is going to change that much this year. Um, I mean, as, as a rookie, he was phenomenal. Um, and it was exactly what an aging big Ben needed mm-hmm. to really get through yeah. last year. Honestly. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you just hope that yards per carry goes up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That I, was pretty, I that was like pretty brutal see, last year, but I would like to see more rushing attempts out of him this year. Um, to kind of counteract 307 last year. I don't know about that. He just needs to actually have above a well, he needs to yards per carry. 3.9 was just brutal. Yeah. That's, <laughs> but that's I mean, like, teams a load of the box because they knew Big Ben couldn't do anything. So mm-hmm. yeah. hopefully, I think, as Chris, you were saying, like, you know, a any change of quarterback, uh, almost any change of quarterback, I should say, should probably help here. But uh, anyway, AJ, why don't we finish up here yeah. with the Browns? All right. So the Browns, we've got Nick Chubb. Basically, he's shown his talent uh, to be an RB1, you know, year in, year out, it seems like, without him getting a lot of the receiving work because of Kareem Hunt. Um, I mean, do we think that that Hunt's still gonna just eat into his ceiling because of him being there for more of the rushing, or I'm sorry, for more of the receiving, um, or because of this quarterback situation with Watson being an unknown, are they gonna have to lean on both of these guys in rushing and receiving? I think it's probably be a bit of both, to be quite honest. Uh, and we've seen them do this in the past, like where they've either tried to get them both on the field at the same time, like either doing something like like pony packages, split back, a split back set, something along those lines to get them both out there. Because you're absolutely right, AJ. Like they have Nick Chubb, one of the best pure runners, like in the league, in my personal opinion. You could make the probably make the case for Jonathan Taylor, uh, but I do think like Nick Chubb from a power burst speed like and even just vision perspective like Nick Chubb probably takes the cake for me uh but last year you're like you're 100 right like Kareem Hunt like takes away like the ceiling for Nick Chubb I mean Hunt had an 11.9 percent target share last year if you're a running back that's being drafted in the second round and you have direct competition at the position and that person is taking five like five to six targets you know over like over like a three, four game, like sample, like if they're taking up like that much of a target share, like in your own offense, there's no way for you to meet like, or exceed your ceiling. If you have like direct competition, they were, they were like pummeling him with targets. Now, of course, some of that, like were the, were the games like where Nick Chubb was out and we had like just all Kareem hunt, but even still like in the games where the two of them were together, you'd see Kareem hunt get two to three targets here. Uh, red zone rushing attempts or even red zone targets where Nick Chubb wouldn't get any. So there, there has to be some sort of scenario where that they, they again, start to use both of them together, almost in the same way that I've been reading about uh, the Packers trying to get uh, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon on the field at the same time, because we, we all know that both of them can be efficient. Both of them can be used in the passing game and Nick Chubb by his own right. Like he can be used in the passing game and also be efficient as a pass catcher as well. But the team just needs to be able to be a bit more creative to get both of them out there and maybe have them both running routes or maybe having Kareem Hunt like running deeper routes and having Nick Chubb like be the one to make sure that the defense plays the run or like focused on the running game because they have that option there. But 
I think the biggest thing for, for Nick Chubb is just the hope that he just gets more of the red zone work. Now, if he yeah. can cash in on some more, on some more touchdowns, because that's how Aaron Jones has been able to pay off his like early round, like ADP for like the last two to three seasons. Like we know we got like Quadzilla just like waiting in the background, like for him to just take over the Green Bay backfield. And while Kareem Hunt is like nowhere near the same size and power as AJ Dillon, but it's just if they were able to like if Nick Chubb got more red zone work and was able to cat like able to get what did Aaron Jones have something ridiculous like 19 touchdowns like last yeah. year, the year beforehand. Like if Nick Chubb had that, we wouldn't even have this. Like nobody would care about Kareem Hunt because we knew that like that level of opportunity would be there, like for a guy like Chubb. And of course, having Aaron Rodgers under center like probably helps out as well. But it's just like those are the those are the things like you need to be able to have like those money touches that are going to allow you to get the prerequisite amount of touchdowns in order to really like boost or exceed like your ADP. But like you said earlier, to open is open us up. Kareem Hunt, like on the team, caps that ceiling because they're always going to want to try and find ways to get him on the field because he's a good player. He was a good player when he was he was still in KC. So it's just like having both of them there will always kind of be a hindrance to Chubb, but I think he's been able to overcome most of it just by being a damn good running back. Yeah. But hopefully he'll get some more opportunity. That's for sure. Yeah. I think on the flip side too, I mean, we may see more teams really trying to stack the box and test Brissett um, Mm -hmm. to see if he's going to get the ball out to these receivers. So I think in that stance, it, it really needs to be uh, – there needs to be some design plays for both of those backs to be there and be a dump-off and it not always be Kareem Hunt because the defenses are going to cue in on that. If they see Hunt on the field, they're going to know that the ball could be coming to him right. over uh, over Chubb. So you put them both out there and mix it up enough, it, it could it could be pretty interesting. So yeah. I've saw um, Justice Mosqueda uh, at Jumosk on Twitter. He posted a couple of plays that Green Bay had run last year. I think Green Bay could honestly just steal straight from them where they had uh, a split back set. So we've got Aaron Rodgers, shotgun, uh, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones like on either side of them. But then they uh, motion Aaron Jones out to the perimeter and then they keep A.J. Dillon in the backfield. Aaron Jones runs like a 12 yard post and Aaron Rodgers hits him for like a chunk game. How, like you can't tell me that Kareem Hunt couldn't run that same route and draw the same uh, level of defensive attention. And like they could take, they could take that same play and run that same play and get the same results. You have another move a linebacker out on him. Yeah. And then that opens up the door for Chubb to run right up the middle. So yeah, Bingo. I, I, so that, if, that, that's if, perfect. If you've got concerns with Jacoby Brissett <clears throat> as a passer, then just have him hand it off to Nick Chubb. But it's just like that's it's there for you. The option's yeah. there. Yeah, no, yeah. 100%. yeah. I was looking at the uh the target share for the season on Cleveland last year. And of course, you know, we all know Hunt missed a, a chunk of games. He still had more target share percentage than Chubb did all season long. That's insane. It's, I mean, it was close. It was five point four percent to five, but I mean, yeah, Hunt would have blown him out of the water, <laughs> yeah, at that at that point. But all right, let's jump into our receivers here and uh, rip into the ADP. We got Jamar Chase at three, T Higgins at twelve, Deontay Johnson at thirteen, Amari Cooper at seventeen, Rashad Bateman at forty, Chase Claypool at forty-five, Tyler Boyd at fifty-five, David Bell at sixty-seven, Donovan Peoples-Jones at seventy-two, and Devin Duvernay at eighty-nine. Um, AJ, lead it off, man. 
All right, so we've uh, we've already looked into this QB room of uh, Trubisky and Pickett for Pittsburgh, um, but with one of those two guys throwing the ball and no more juju on the field for Pittsburgh, I mean, do we think that Deontay Johnson's going to return his draft value this year? I don't see why not. I mean, his target share last year was like 28 29%. I mean, you're talking about prime level like deandre hopkins level target share i mean if you're up there like getting close to like a 30 percent target share i mean that's that that is noteworthy i mean of course typically we look at wide receiver ones like down in the 24 25 26 percent like target range i believe that's where jamar chase was at last year and if we're seeing if 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 johnson is still capable of earning like that level of target share but the expectation with either pickett or trubisky is that the average depth of target for each of those passes now is going to be a bit more downfield. So we're getting more yards and similar volume this year. I mean, that's to me, it all sounds like a positive thing for, for Deontay. And we've seen over the past couple of seasons, his not evolution, but just like his uh, improvement as, as a receiver, because coming out of college, like while I did think that it was noteworthy that Pittsburgh took them because we've seen them develop like wide receivers almost like year in and year out. Pittsburgh gets another good receiver in the draft. But seeing him being able to not just work well against zone, and that was kind of his calling card coming out of college, but he's also been able to at least sustain or like be decent like on the perimeter, like being able to beat like man or press coverage. He's not like the best or the most like fanciest like route runner, but seeing him still be able to get open and still be at least a uh, a solid target for Ben Roethlisberger. I know he what battled with drops and like all this other stuff like over the past couple of seasons, but being able to maintain that level of target share, you know, decent efficiency as well to go along with it. There's really nobody else on that team, at least that I see as of right now, that's really going to challenge him to take away like a significant number of targets to bring him back down into the lower wide receiver one, like, uh, like uh, tier because Calvin Austin, George Pickens, like good additions, don't get me wrong, but again, not guys are like, they're more role players than guys that are really going to push for targets in that offense, especially here in year run with either Trubisky or, uh, um, or Pickett like under center. So at this point, like Deontay Johnson is probably the best value on that team. And we can have a discussion about like where you think Claypool sits at. But I think like Johnson for me is the guy that I want to have the most shares of. Yeah, I, I think his consistency, if he can catch the ball, um, uh-huh. is going to be a lot better than Claypool's, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Claypool has a great uh, you know, he's got a nice floor, but he's got a, a variable ceiling in my mind. And, and it's going to depend a lot on the week to week and, and his target share. If he's going to get the ball thrown his way enough to really make something of it or not. So, <laughs> yeah, Mike just put it, our, our producer, Mike LaPlante, just put it in the private chat. Something I was about to say, yeah, if you ask Claypool, he's the top three wide receiver in the NFL. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, you know. I love the confidence, but dude, no. Um, yeah, Chris, man, you said everything I was going to say. You know, target share, 25, almost 26%. He was third in the uh, – no, not third in the NFL, but he was like top 10, top one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth in the NFL last year. Target yeah. share, that's not going away. I mean, Claypool's a nice guy, but, you know, he's a nice player, but it, it's, he's a downfield threat. And honestly, like, you know, there's one thing to kind of take away from, like, if this is Trubisky's job – he look. He made Allen Robinson decent. 
mm-hmm. that was like literally all he made in Chicago. Yeah. So like he's a one he's a one receiver guy like just pepper the guy with targets. Money That's going to be Deontay that. Johnson. So like <laughs> I like Deontay Johnson still no matter which quarterback this is. I don't see the offense changing to a different receiver and the target share is just going to be crazy. But uh, yeah, I mean the the depth per target wasn't great last year. He was like barely top sixty. Uh, oh yeah, he's like, like air yards was bad. It's um, like a slot receiver, man. Like he was so, just catching like these five yard routes. Hey, in PPR leagues, man, that's money. That so. works, yeah. <laughs> All right, so over to Cleveland here. Um, I mean, God, you kind of said this earlier, but to go back to it, like Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones, David Bell, these guys, like there was a lot of excitement around these guys being in Cleveland with Watson probably being there, being their quarterback. But now, mm-hmm. like that's, as we said, that's not, that's just not going to happen at this point, not this year. Um so what what is their take or what what is what does this do to their values uh for you with Brissett or it just doesn't sound like it's gonna be Baker. They're just out on Baker at this point. Uh they're still trying to yeah. trade him. But you know, so it's Brissett, it sounds like. So I mean yeah. Cooper's still 17 ADP. That seems pretty high to me with a guy like Brissett. Yes, and well, I would say yes at the, but at the same time, and this this probably sounds gross, but he was still keeping what Devonte Parker's, uh, like in Mike Gusecki and like a couple other guys, he was keeping their value like somewhat afloat when it was like Brissett and like Ryan Fitzpatrick kind of like battling out and like in Miami. Uh, I mean, so it's not it's not the worst thing, but it just it just makes me want less of Cleveland or only maybe like one like one guy like in Cleveland. Like yeah, this is and this is outside of the running backs. I'll still draft the running backs like oh, that cost like all day long. We have that conversation, but for the pass catchers, it just lowers everybody's ceiling, just because we know what Jacoby Brissett is. Like he's been just a haphazard, like volatile quarterback. Like even when even when not pressured, like in clean pockets, he's like thirty or fortieth in terms of like adjusted uh, adjusted completion percentage. Uh, any of any uh, efficiency metric you want to like throw out there, he just he's not good like he's just he's completely replaceable so i'm fine with amari cooper somewhat at cost because we know that with amari cooper's like route running ability if you can at least give him a wide receiver core that features let's say a true x receiver which at least donovan people's jones can at least be a good facsimile of that at least being able to have the size the speed the strength to draw like press coverage and maybe pull a safety his way as well and allow Amari Cooper to do his thing. And that's where he operates best. I think that was one of the big, his big hang up there when he was in Dallas is that CD lamb is not your prototypical X receiver. Like he's not like what they had like with Des Bryant of old, like they needed a guy that can beat like man or press coverage. Michael Callup could, can do that, but he was injured like most of the time. So you can't expect a guy like Amari Cooper to beat like man or press coverage. It's just not his game. It wasn't his game when he was in Oakland. It wasn't his game when he's in Dallas. So I'm okay with Amari Cooper in Cleveland because they do have some of those guys that can actually do that defensively or like tactically on the field, draw that type of attention and allow Amari Cooper to play flanker or move him to the slot. I think that'd be fine for him there. It's just that, like we were saying beforehand, Having passes thrown to you from Deshaun Watson is much different than having passes thrown to you from Jacoby Brissett. So, like, I'll see. I could probably still see him having, let's say, a 800 yardish like type of season, eight to nine hundred yards, five six touchdowns, like somewhere in there. It's like certainly possible for him to have. It's just, but he would be the 
only Cleveland player, or at least the only Cleveland pass catcher that I probably want like on my roster. Beforehand, when it was the at least the prospect of having Deshaun Watson under center, sure, now I'm interested in DPJ. I'm interested in uh, David Njoku. I'm interested in like maybe even like Anthony Schwartz, like one of their other speed guys. Yeah. Like I'd be interested in like other these these other Cleveland pass catchers. But now I just want guys that I know are talented or I know that are, are athletic. And Ninjoku, like he fits that bill. Mm-hmm. Amari Cooper fits that bill. But outside of that, I, I'm not really interested in those guys just because like that pie is smaller. The ceiling is lower for all of the pass catchers now. Yeah. I wonder if we're going to get, because one of my always, one of my big knocks on, on Cooper for years uh, is that he been, sucks. It's been <laughs> his consistency, right? Yeah. He's got yeah. these like 30 to 40 point games like three or four times a year. And then outside of that, it's like, the hell happened nothing yeah (laughs) like what happened um and so he's always like a top 12 receiver because he's got like 150 points off of three games but um but like i almost wonder like if he's actually going to be more consistent this year because the offense is going to be more conservative he's going to catch more passes and like he might not have the touchdowns as much but like he's just gonna rack up some yards and catches because this offense is going to be just you know more just obviously more run heavy and he's just going to be like just ding a dunk with percent. It, 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 it I'm out on him. I, I'm still not going to draft him, especially ADP 17. Nice. I don't want it, but uh, <laughs> just have shares of Cooper on every team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nobody's going to draft him just to see when I finally will pull the trigger. <laughs> yeah. Never. <laughs> 18th <laughs> round. I'm not doing it. <laughs> AJ, go ahead. Uh, all right. So, <laughs> I mean, this one's pretty pretty easy and quick now that we've got Hollywood Brown gone in Baltimore. Um, I mean, what's your uh, projected ceiling for Mr. Rashad Bateman? Probably like, let's see. So Marquise Brown's best season was like just outside or like fairly close, like top 24. I would say just from volume alone, we have to have him in like the top 20 conversation because if we're thinking about Lamar Jackson being an efficient passer, and even if this team doesn't go all the way back to being like the 30th ranked neutral passing rate, where the targets are going to have to go somewhere. Like Mark Andrews, absolutely. He should be like the front and center, like pivotal piece. He's essentially the Ravens version of Travis Kelsey, which is great. He certainly has the efficiency. He certainly has the athleticism to fill that role. I mean, from a route running perspective, like so, and like even the touchdown or not touchdown, but just the rapport with Lamar Jackson uh, to run routes down the seam. It's all there for Mark Andrews. But if you want somebody to be there on in a, let's say, third and five, third and eight type situation where you need the precision, where you need route running, where you need a player to be at a certain position like or find a weak spot within a defense to be there, that is Rashad Bateman. Uh, I've been reading and like talking with uh, folks like Matt Harmon for years in order to figure out, like, okay, like, what type of receiver, like how does the, like this player like win on the field? Like how does the receiver like win on the field? And reading through his analysis of Rashad Bateman, he fits with what Baltimore, I think, is trying to do in terms of, let's say, let's move back from like the high flying, like deep ball, like connections that he had with Marquise Brown, like back in like 2019 and 2020. But let's try and let's uh, use guys like, J.K. Dobbins, let's use guys like Gus Edwards and and even Lamar himself, let's say, to get us to a third and manageable type situation. 
And then afterwards, like if we're put into a pure passing situation, like a third and mid or third and short, and we need to rely on somebody other than Mark Andrews, Bateman's route running abilities is like the perfect skill set for what that team needs right now versus saying, all right, Lamar, it's third and eight, go do something like either, you know, go run through, go run between the tackles, scramble around, do a pirouette and then run like another 20 yards, like to get the first down or something along those lines. They actually will have an answer like for that type of situation. And Bateman provides that. And so Bateman provides like not just that, uh, that skill set for that particular role, but just the overall opportunity with his route running ability to be able to do uh, like the digs, the curls, like those in and out breaking routes that require some precision, precision and uh, rapport with your quarterback. All that should be there for them like this season. So from an opportunity standpoint, I would easily consider Bateman within the top 20. And if all the things start to hit, like he starts having a larger presence within the red zone, not the biggest guy, but still like enough so that Lamar's starting to consistently look for him there. We're also like talking about him creeping into the top 12. But I would say baseline, baseline conversation starts at top 20 just based off of opportunity alone. Sorry, try not to unmute. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know if I, I forget where I have him ranked right now, uh, but it's way higher than forty. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, so if that's his ADP, I'm gonna have a lot of shares of <laughs> of, uh, of Rashad Bateman. But yeah, I mean, I just think opportunity is the number one thing, as you kind of said, that would would drive his his value much higher than that right now. And you know, I, I have him at thirty. Uh, which, uh, I mean, there's a half dozen or so guys that I could easily throw them ahead of. Um, and that honestly, once the draft time comes, I might just be like, you know what? I just kind of like the upside of him better. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the kind of way the, draft, the the rankings are one thing, but the way that your draft kind of rolls out and, and where, what you need at certain times doesn't mean you have to go by the rankings per like, you don't, they're not a Bible. They're just a guide. Um, yeah. So, you know, could I take him over Darnell Mooney? Eh, sure. Why not? I don't know. Like, you know, it's that kind of thing. So, you know, Mike Williams, who, yeah, he's awesome, but he's also super inconsistent. So, like, who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I like Bateman a lot here, but uh, let's finish up here with the Cincinnati Bengals. And, man, Jamar Chase, hell of a rookie year. Uh, T Higgins really came on strong at the end was actually a better receiver down the stretch mm-hmm. uh, for fantasy. Um, both these guys are inside the top 12 in most people's rankings and the ADP right now. Yep. Do you actually think that both of these guys can finish as wide receiver once? Yeah. Why not? I mean, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams just did the exact same thing last season. And like, I would, I'm on the same wavelength as you, Joe. I mean, Mike Williams, like super inconsistent, but in PPR, they wound up doing it. Uh, T Higgins, like I, I would say the argument that I've heard about drafting a team's wide receiver two that early when there are other wide receiver ones available, like around that same time frame, y'all can miss me with that argument. Like T Higgins, like while when you say like wide receiver two, the connotation instantly sparks. Well, he's going to see just significantly less targets. Uh, like the same opportunity is not going to be afforded to him as the team's wide receiver one. Like blah blah blah. But like you just said, Joe, like T Higgins, I had a higher target share than Jamar Chase. Like down the stretch, like this is the same Bengals offense that once we got into like weeks ten through eighteen, 
they were like they were up and like up a neutral passing rate like on early downs mm -hmm. all of that stuff like more efficient more scoring all of that and Tegan's outshone like Jamar Chase he was more efficient than Jamar Chase like down the more stretch. consistent yes way more consistent so it's just if we're like if we're already seeing at at the very least not just a wide receiver one wide receiver two but how about a 1a and 1b type situation if we want to throw labels at it because overall like if you just want to stretch out like over the entire 17 game 2021 season i mean they were only apart by about like in terms of like raw target share by like one and a half percent two percent something mm -hmm. like that so it's not enough to, like it's not that big of a gap to say that well Jamar Chase is the wide receiver one and T Higgins is like wide receiver two. No, if you want to look at the gap between T Higgins and Tyler Boyd, okay, fine. Like that's <laughs> yeah. a, that's a good enough gap to say that now we're looking at two different players, Yeah. but between Higgins and Chase, nah, 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 nah. Like there's, there's enough, uh, like in Higgins has shown enough explosiveness. Like we were happy having just Higgins as the wide receiver one when Cincinnati drafted him in 2020. So it's like, now we have like two explosive, like top 12, like potential top 12 receivers like on the team. Why not? Like, I don't see why you would want to shy away from drafting a player like that with that type of potential at this point, just because you want to give them the label like wide receiver too. Yeah. That, that, I mean, that, that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. You, you're spot on, man. Target share for chase last year was 23.7 target share for Higgins was 20.4. And it actually got better as the, as the season went on. Targets overall, 128 to 110. I mean, both top notch. Um, and Higgins missed a game. <clears throat> huh? And Higgins missed a game. He missed two he games. He missed two that. games early, and he missed the last game of the season, which actually is being counted into all of this. So mm -hmm. I, I can't filter out week 18, but he did miss week two and, th two and four. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Higgins just, to me, like, I don't actually want to draft Chase at wide receiver three or two. I want to draft Higgins two rounds later, you know, cause he's going late second, early third type of thing. So, um, I'm happy to get him. I think he's going to be a little more consistent still. Um, and I mean, I, this offense clearly can support two wide receivers that high. Yes. And I, I don't have any doubt that they can both do it. So, yeah. um, I think when we're drafting, you should be drafting with the idea that, or at least with the question of, can this guy that I'm taking at this cost exceed the cost that I'm taking at? Because that's how you win, yes. right? Like you want guys that can be able to exceed their ADP. Like think about Cooper Cup last year, Hunter Renfro last year. I mean, Hunter Renfro is obviously different because we were drafting him rounds like later, but like <laughs> Cooper Cup specifically. So now in Jamar, like the uh, the Jamar Case example, Jamar Chase example, what's the chances that now he's going to exceed his already like first round, like draft costs. Like you're asking him to be essentially the same receiver he was last year, which was a record breaking season. And then some more as well. You're essentially asking him to be 2021 Cooper cup, who was like the first triple crown winner in 20 ish years, if I'm remembering correctly. So is that an easier proposition than just saying, Let's just have T Higgins be the exact same dude that he was last year over like that final eight game stretch in an offense that we know is good and could be better, assuming that they pass at a similar, a similar passing rate, same efficiency, like blah, 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 mm. with Joe Burrow at like almost a round and a half ish discount. Yeah, like, I would much rather do like the Higgins, like, it, you know, versus like the chase proposition. Yeah, no, me too. And I also think like, even if you miss on both of those guys, like receivers, we, we went through all the team previews uh, over the last month or so. And man, I just noticed 
throughout the whole thing that the wide receiver ADPs are so much more favorable this year than running backs. Like you get to mm-hmm. that like round three, four, five range of running backs, and you're like, ew. Yeah, but you're looking at receivers, and you're like, damn, that guy could be good. That guy could be good. Right. Like, yeah. yeah, you're like, damn, there's a lot of nice receivers that are falling because everybody's going super heavy. You know, there's the argument like, okay, you know, they win everybody's eggs, go get all the receivers, and then wait on running back. But I'm not sure you're going to be able to do that this year. You might you might get crushed trying to do that, you know, wait on running back deal this year. I just – there's just not a lot. There's just not a lot of guys, man, that I feel ha- like any – like uh, – Sorry, that I, that I feel good about. Like after round like three, it feels like no, I'm not, like maybe a handful. Yeah, I'm 100 percent with you because if you think about uh, like I've done a number of like best ball mania drafts on underdog, that's half mm. point PPR. But like if you look at what's going on in like the third or fourth round, it's like people are reaching for like Zeke, who I okay it, fine, yeah. but at the same time you've got. Deontay Johnson available there. Either of the two uh, Denver wide receivers, Corlin Sutton, Jerry Judy is there. I right. mean, there's just so many other Terry McLaurin, like typically goes like around that area too. Yeah. So like they're, they're just other good receivers that are typically being drafted in the third and fourth round. Whereas the running backs that are there, it's like flip a coin. I mean, right. You can probably make the case for him, but it's like you can make the same case for probably most of the other guys that are being drafted. Yeah. I mean, I get the argument too, where, and we're going off on the tangent, but last thing I want to say is I get the argument where, like, you know, running backs don't return their value as much as receivers do. So go after those receivers early. But, like, there's also the argument where the later running backs you draft, the less, like, the less and less and less points that they give you in return. Yeah. So, like, mm-hmm. it, it's, it just snowballs even worse. Like, yeah, you're going right. to hit on the Elijah Mitchells randomly, but like, that's just pure luck in my opinion. So yeah. All right, AJ, let's jump into the tight ends and finish this thing out. <clears throat> okay. So we are looking at Mark Andrews at number two. We are looking at Pat for first at 11. Yeah. David Njoku at 20 and, uh, his battle mate there, Hayden Hurst, at 21. What you got? Uh, can I just take Mark Andrews and not have to worry about like any <laughs> of these other like tight ends like at all? I yeah. Mean, uh, because uh, you can sell me on you can sell me on David and Joku. Like when he came out, what was it? His second year, his second year in the league, he had like something north of a 16%, like somewhere around 15, 16% target share. Uh, you know peaked into like the you know top 12 like tight end list like around there so it's possible he can do it again and since we've already had the conversation about like who might be or what type of quarterback play to expect with the browns all of that just kind of makes it a mixed bag like i was happy and fine with drafting david and joku especially after he got his extension which good for him but i was happy with the prospect of taking him just based off of he showed some good stuff last year uh, we saw at least from an efficiency standpoint, his yards per route run like started to pick up a bit. Target share started to develop a bit more. We just saw we just saw him play more. So to, all of those things like were at least trending upwards for him. And now he has, let's say, a slight setback in who might be playing quarterback for the Browns this season. But it's just Mark Andrews. I mean, it's just like there's really no other like there's really no other option like as of right now. I mean, if you look at it from 
like an efficiency standpoint. I mean, top three, top four in yards per route run last season. He's up there with like the guys that we expect to be up there, like Dallas Goddard, like George uh, George Kittle, uh, Kyle Pitts. I mean, those types of tight ends that we know have not just the target share, but the ability to do something with those targets like after the fact, uh, like yards after the catch, like per attempt, like in the top 20, like for that as well. So it's just, and also, of course, the big thing like for for tight ends, he's got the red zone opportunity mm-hmm. and he was like top three in terms of red zone targets last year as well. And that we don't expect that to change at all. Looking at like what's going on, like with Baltimore. Well, so, so who do you, so who do you have tight end one? Andrews Kel- or Kelsey? Still Kelsey, still Kelsey for me. Okay. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's me uh, because uh, I graduated from the university of Cincinnati, Travis Kelsey and his brother, both graduated <laughs> from the university of Cincinnati. And so I, maybe I'm playing Homer just a little bit, but, uh, just given the fact that I think he does, we can all agree that Kelsey does have like the the better passing quarterback in Patrick Mahomes, despite the fact yes. that that Kelsey is you know what four ish years older than Mark Andrews, maybe five if I'm remembering correctly. I think Mark Andrews is twenty seven, twenty eight, right? That's a good yeah. question. Round. Andrews is twenty seven, twenty eight, and Kelsey is what thirty two, thirty three. He's thirty one. 31? I thought he was going to be 32 32. at the start. Yeah. So Andrews is 26. He'll turn 27 right right as the season starts, basically. And then um, I want to say Gronk and Kelsey are the same age. They're both 31, 32. 32. Yeah. So like five-ish years apart. So, of course, like the age model favors Andrews. But still, with, uh, with Kelsey's average depth of target, better quarterback, and just overall, like, uh, target share as well, like, essentially matching Andrews, I, I do think that I give the edge to Kelsey. But, yeah, it's real close. It is really close. I, I, I do. I do. I do like that. And uh, so you kind of ripped through a whole bunch of these. But just to hit a quick question on it. So, Pat Fryermuth, do you like him at all as kind of – do you like him in the tight end one range, you know, with the uncertainty at quarterback? Yeah. I mean – uh, because especially where he's going in drafts, I mean, he's super affordable in drafts as of right now. Uh, but he his so he had like about like a 13 ish like percent target share last year, like which is fine. But he didn't really consistently play uh, like he didn't have more than 50 percent of the snaps until after week five. Mm-hmm. So he was third amongst all tight ends in terms of red zone targets last year. And like I was saying earlier, that's what we really want, like for uh, for our tight ends. If I remember correctly, since 2019, the average, uh, see, the average has been like eight tight ends that have been in the top 10 for red zone targets have also been in the top 10 for like overall fantasy scoring as well. So like you need those touchdowns in order to be a top 12 like tight end. That's really yeah. what you need. So if he's already getting the red zone targets last year, I mean, even if he does have, let's say a slightly, let's say, let's say a slight downgrade in quarterback play, like overall, because you're not having Ben just like pick it up and rip it like, you know, four or five yards. But if he's still capable of earning that type of opportunity just within like the, let's say like 10 ish games last year, I'm in on him, especially at his cost, like for, for 2022. Yeah. I do like him as one of those back end guys that you can get in the draft. Oh, yeah. here. And then uh last thing you kind of hit on Najoku, but like, so do either Najoku or Hurst, nobody's drafting these guys, but do you think either one of them stands a chance of being fantasy relevant this season? And, and which one and why? If I had to guess, I would say that it's Hurst, like just for the simple fact that he plays like with the better quarterback. Mm-hmm. And but this is also like the role, like the tight end role, like for Cincinnati, while they have been like towards the back end of the league in terms of um, like targets to their tight end, 
But we saw like Uzoma pop off for these games because we were seeing either used down the field and also like the role that they have. Uh, I think Uzoma was third on the team, like in uh, third down targets. And so like so mixing in along with uh, that's where like Mixon's like ceiling is capped uh, because they were just using other guys like in those roles and also like in the red zone as well. Like Uzoma was tied, like, I think, for third or fourth on the team. So like there's enough there, enough yeah. opportunity from an overall raw target share perspective, but also in the places that we need it to be for like for Hurst to actually like return. But it won't be like maybe like for full season, like top 12 but he'll pop up like for like a top 10 ish week. I'd say like at least like like five or six games, which I think for his cost, that's definitely worth drafting. Yeah. He, he, he'll get scooped up. I guarantee it just like his did. So, yeah, I mean, well, that's it for the preview of the division for at least the players, but we got one last question. All right. So what is your division standings prediction? So my division standings prediction will have Cincinnati up front, uh, Baltimore right behind them at second. And then I'm still thinking that Cleveland, just looking at like looking at their defensive moves over the past uh, over the past season, they'll still be able to scrape out enough wins to stay, let's say, in I don't want to say like wildcard contention, but probably like third in the division. And then the Steelers like kind of you know bringing up the rear. All right, yeah, I I think I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go a little little different. I'm gonna go Baltimore first. I'm gonna go Cincy second, uh, both in the playoffs, mm-hmm. and then I'm gonna go uh, I'm gonna go Pittsburgh. I'm gonna put some faith in Trubisky. I don't know why. Oh wow, man, <laughs> you're living on the edge. I am, I am, and maybe it's just because my my. Uh, my Scott Fish draft uh, that I'm in, my mock draft, everybody went quarterback, and I picked first overall and timed out because <laughs> I didn't realize I was even in the mock. I was like, oh, cool. All right, here we go. And I was like, oh, I already have uh, JT. All right, never yeah. mind. And, uh, yeah, I just said, screw it. You know what? I'm going to just punt quarterback. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm feeling a little Trubisky. I, I think he – he could surprise some people. Right. So I'm going. I'm going. That's uh, tough. The the top the top is tough. Cincy and Baltimore. You know what? Still going to go Cincy, then Baltimore. I am going to go Pittsburgh next too. Uh, I think their defense is just so good, um, mm. and they've got. I mean, look, they've got the running game. They've got. I think they have better receivers um, than than Cleveland. And uh, I'm not really convinced that Brissett's any better than Trubisky or Pickett, to be honest. So, like, I, mm-hmm. I just feel like the the overall talent is slightly better for for Cleveland. Um, and then I'm or then Cleveland, and uh, and then yeah, I'm gonna put uh, <clears throat> I'm gonna put Cleveland last, but yeah. it'll probably be quite the distance between the top two and this and the, and the next two there. Yeah, yeah, for Game, sure. maybe two or like a random tie between Cleveland and Pittsburgh. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, Chris, I want to thank you for coming on and, uh, and joining us again. Uh, I think you're coming on the, uh, the Scott fish show that theme show that we're doing in a few weeks here on mm-hmm. July 11th to raise money for MS. Uh, stay tuned on Twitter for more info about that. 
And um, yeah, uh, before we let you go, just uh, remind everybody where they can find you on, on Twitter. And I have a freaking like gnat flying around my stupid house right now. This is like <laughs> flying in front of the screen. Oh, so it's I'm so like annoying. just yeah. grabbing stuff Ooh, like in yeah. the air. That's, I don't anyway, let uh, let everybody know where they can find you online and uh, what you got going on this this year, man. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at Chris Allen FFWX. Uh, I don't know, like right now, few projects like going on. Uh, so the FFWX in my handle is for weather. Um, I'm actually working on a research article, like just looking at the way that the cold actually impacts a quarterback play. Working on that right now. Uh, between that and a couple other pieces that I've like team strategy or like uh, best ball drafting, like we're really heavy into like underdog best ball mania three like type strategy pieces. I've written a couple of pieces for that on four for four as well. Uh, so between that, uh, you can find me on Football Guys, uh, their YouTube channel. I do like a six, seven minute video on like a, making a case for a player so you can catch me there. Uh, so, yeah, weekly content like, you know, as you'll probably see it like reposted on my Twitter timeline at some point. So, yeah, any questions or anything like that, just come hit me up. Absolutely, man. And yeah, awesome. great stuff from you as always. So, uh, yeah, I got to give you a shout out to the uh, the EH Taylor, as you can see. I've oh, yes. A few back mm-hmm. here as well. Good, good stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's, it's, and it's hard so to smooth. find now. Yes, I had uh, my brother-in-law got a had a buddy out in Chicago that brought us uh, that brought me the bottle. Nice, cool. awesome. All right, man. Well, uh, we'll have to let you go, Chris. But uh, again, we, we will we will be talking to you soon. Most deaf. Yeah. Anytime right, y'all need me, just give me a call. We'll do. All right, man. Cheers. See you. See you. All right, guys, that is it for the show. Um, next week, we will be covering. Oh, what are we doing next week? Let's see. Here. I'm, on the, I'm on the wrong one. Let's see here. NFC South with Miss Linda. Oh, yeah. Looking forward to that one. It's going to be good. This one will actually be on Thursday. Uh, so uh, we will be back to the regularly scheduled program. But uh, in the meantime, Make sure you uh, check out those uh, subscriptions on Fantasy Six Pack. And uh, we will talk to you later.